This episode of Let's Meet is made possible by Boomtown Biscuits and Whiskey, a contemporary take on a classic American frontier food, and mmm, it's delicious. Stake your claim at 1201 Broadway in beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. Phone number 513-381-2666. Website boomtownbiscuitsandwhiskey.com. Hello. Yeah. Let's meet. Welcome. Hi. Nice to meet you. Let's meet. Nice to meet Hello. you. Hey. Let's Howdy. meet. Hey, bro. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Hey. On the 62nd episode of Let's Meet nice Part 2 of 3, Jacob is from Texas. Michael collects Let's basketball meet. cards. Tim categorizes fears. <laughs> so you're from Texas? Yes. From Houston, is that right? Yes. Okay. I grew up as a Rockets fan, so I'm kind of okay. in that Kareem, zone Kareem. Uh Hakeem. Hakeem? Okay. Yeah, the Dream. Yeah. And Clyde <laughs> the Glide Drexler. Uh, my, they were two of my favorites. Hakeem, Hakeem Olajuwon. I can't talk right now. Great for a podcast. Hakeem <laughs> Olajuwon, uh, his 1995 tops. No, Upper Deck Basketball Card was the very first one that my mother ever got me. Okay. And that started my love of basketball cards because I love – I'm a basketball fan. But speaking of loving something, specifically in Texas, that is kind of where the idea for Lonely Pine came from, from your childhood experience, right? Yeah, this is kind of our, our new concept that we'll be rolling out this spring. It is our first restaurant concept. I've worked in restaurants before we opened bars. I worked for – uh, some amazing chefs, um, Jose Salazar, who is here in town, and James Beard, award-celebrated chef. I yeah. worked for a guy by the name of David Sorrells, who was probably had the one of the biggest impacts on my life just from a creativity standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, really just put that drive into me and was one of the first people that was like, you can do this, there's something special about you. I think everybody has had those few people in their lives that have really pushed them forward and made them feel like they could do anything. And David Sorrells is one of those people for me. My wife, Gloria, is that for me? <laughs> That's nice, yeah. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because she can hear me. <laughs> you can take out the trash. <laughs> I'm not believing you. You can start my car up so I can swim. So because of my restaurants, I know how hard restaurants are. I yes. know what the margins are in a restaurant. You know, if you're listening to this, you're like, man, it would be fun to open a bar and restaurant – I, my first advice is, well, have you ever have you ever run a bar or restaurant? Have you ever worked in a bar or restaurant? If right. the answer is no, then take half the money you're going to do to open your own bar and restaurant. Just put it in a garbage can and light it on fire uh, outside in your yard, and some hobo tramps will show up and, and warm themselves. Those are the bindle. Those are the bindle hobos. Those are the bindle hobos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're <laughs> alienating <laughs> our hobo like audience. I'm, I'm sure. I can, like, Jacob, I can tell you right now, they're not able to listen. <laughs> Podcast. Um, Few pods. Yes. So um, more shanty town, less pod. So for us, I think it is a challenge. Because we've seen how other people have made mistakes. And I think for us, it is also an experiment to see if we can do food. Yeah. Um, I know that's not something that, you know, investors like want to hear. Like, I'm going to go experiment with your money. <laughs> well, but you're going um, out. You're going big, though, with your experiment. You're going, <laughs> you're going steaks. I think you have to do bold, especially in the market now. Yeah. There seems to be a demand for more concepts. Mm -hmm. But the audience isn't necessarily growing in size. They want more things 
because they're not satisfied with the things they have, it's right. it's a terrible place to be. But like, <laughs> that's also why we keep like evolving and creating. It's just that it's the nature of what it is right now. It's it's people watch Food Network. People have more access to knowledge, and they see things in another city, and they think, why not here? Right? Why don't we have this? And then you have people that are like, well, I want to provide that for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our first thing, Lonely Pine Steakhouse is based on something kind of from my childhood that I wanted to see if we could reinvent and really create something new in the marketplace that doesn't exist anymore because I don't think anybody's ever tried to do it this way. Yeah. Which is, we call it counter-service casual steakhouse. So I grew up with something called Bonanza. I mm, think... Hell yeah. We know Bonanza. Yeah, I think you guys may have called it Ponderosa. Or, I mean... Oh, or we, Brown Derby. <laughs> I, I knew it as Bonanza. In Tennessee, it was yeah. Bonanza. Yeah, we're yeah. West Tennessee yeah, we're guys. Tennessee, we knew. So. Yeah, so Bonanza, it was on the way to my grandmother's house. And so we would stop there. And it was like a good family memory. Like, it was kind of one of these things where I remember the steak being good. There was a salad bar. And... Free ice cream at the end. There's a chance chance that if you went there now, it wasn't as good. No, for sure. (laughs) No, and I think that's it. It is. It is a. It is a place in my mind Mm -hmm. that I'm thinking. Well, if you look at the landscape of steakhouses, specifically in Cincinnati, uh, you have way high end places. You know, white tablecloth. It's not a place you would take your family if you you have a family. It is. It is. You're going to spend $150 a person to have a steak dinner, and that's like trying to get out on the cheap. Their product is great. It's amazing. Like I love, I love that type of service. I love that type of steakhouse. But to me, owning three bars, everyone just assumes you're rich. Like, and yeah. I'm, we're not. <laughs> uh, just so if you're, if you're out there looking for me, just thinking that I'm like Scrooge McDuck and like a big pile of money. Where do you, like, you where like, do you fall on the hobo tramp scale? <laughs> I, I am like a tramp he's, for he's sure. Yes, yeah, I'm still on the, I'm still on the scale. Yes, I think for us it was okay. I want a good steak. I don't necessarily want to go support a chain. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with chain restaurants. Sure. I think for us, it's with the chain, there's a quality issue always, typically. Mm-hmm. I think there's some chains that do really great things. Yeah. But I think also it's just kind of a mixed bag. You know that the people in the back aren't getting paid well, like, or as well as they should. Yeah. So for us, it was how do we build a really small, core, amazing team create a steakhouse that is casual so that we can roll in the way that we are sitting right here in our underwear just so right. you know everybody yeah. that's how we record podcasts and we are every yes, week just in your underwear yeah, yeah. and I am covered <laughs> in shame <laughs> no but you could roll in after work if you worked anywhere we wanted to create a blue collar steakhouse that maybe we're not competing with your high end steakhouses we're competing with Outback. Yeah. We're competing with Texas Roadhouse, but we're saying for our challenges, how do we make the quality better and then cut out some of the, the, the costs that we know? We know that their staffing is our fixed cost. We know that the meat is a fixed cost. Mm-hmm. So for us, it is if you walk in and you order everything at a counter, which I think people are way more comfortable with yes. now and having a great experience. They don't associate ordering from a counter as being a poor food quality experience anymore. I think they think of it as just part of the experience. Like, right. oh, this place has amazing steaks. You order at a counter. Yeah. And then you sit down with a number and your so food you, comes do out. You just, so you're going to order at a counter and then go sit down? Yeah. 
So it's not like a big bar that you're just yelling stuff at people? No, no, okay. no, no. So yeah, I was so you're a little bit of chaos and I was actually still enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, for us, you'll walk in and it's actually a butcher counter, so you'll see the steaks. You'll actually see the meat that we're preparing. So we have, uh, we kept the menu very limited. We are a place, we are a true steakhouse. Like, we don't have chicken, we don't have fish. You we got, don't have pasta. We got steak. We have steak. <laughs> We're the place you come to for steak. And again, that's just cost that we saw that we could pass on to the consumer. Is if you keep your menu small, so our, I can tell your listeners our whole menu right now. It is a featured appetizer. This is an appetizer that will change every week. Yeah. There will be something new and fresh. We have a wedge salad uh, with your choice of dressing. We make the dressings in-house. Thank you so much. Yeah. We have four cuts of steak. Uh, it comes with a baked potato. Uh, we also have cream spinach, a seasonal vegetable and that's our whole menu yeah perfect uh, yeah that's it so for us it is what else do you need some people would say lots six percent right. <laughs> of the vegetarian vegan population would say you need some hey man yeah. hey man you're pushing my button yeah so i think for us it was you don't have to be everything to everyone right i think there is a certain segment of the population and i am one of them i work hard i'm on my feet a lot I was taught that you reward yourself with a good meal at the end of the day. Right. And for me, that was a meal that typically involved a steak. Like, you know, it, it was something that my dad kind of raised me with. It's after he would have the long days where he was trying to build his own business and work, he would say, let's go get a steak. Yeah. And we're being in that's, Texas. It's like, also a Texas thing. Yeah. Say. yeah. <laughs> it is. But I think it's also, you know, I think a lot of oh, Cincinnati is still a steak and potato kind of city. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. as much as we have diversity and stuff like that, I think there is a certain niche of the population. And again, our, at the Lonely Pine, it's not like, let's fill this huge, you know, 6,000 square foot restaurant. It's small. It's intimate. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to create something that was very mid-century. So it feels like you're stepping into 1960s West Texas. So we call it like Mad Men meets yeah. John Wayne. Um, yeah, all right, all right. yeah, so you come in and there's photos of all of these 1960s cowboy celebrities because that was the height of like Westerns yeah. on television and in the movies. Yeah. Um, so for us, you still have that experiential element. We want to take you kind of back in time. Like I can't build a time machine, so I'm building a restaurant. You're working. Fair right. enough. <laughs> yeah, but you will have a time machine soon. One day. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll tell you a story. There's a, there's a is restaurant. Is that another idea? Uh, no, th- this, is, this, is, uh, this is kind of like a, what do you call it, a secret origin story. Uh, okay. So I lived in San Antonio growing up, and San Antonio had two amazing places. One was called the Magic Time Machine. Okay. And it was a themed restaurant where every room was like a different era of time. So That's if you go into like the Roman room, you were served by Julius Caesar. If you went into the 1950s room, you were served by Marilyn Monroe. Wait a minute, why Julius Caesar, not Caligula? Because uh, I think Caligula <laughs> would have been a lot more fun. Um, <laughs> so it's really innovative. I think it's still there. Um, it's not on the Riverwalk, right? It is not. Okay. No, this is a local place. That's, like, that's, like, that's, that's the only area that it, I've seen. It was there. the strangest yeah. thing. And then the other one was a. Steakhouse called Old San Francisco Steakhouse. Okay. And over the bar, they would have these huge ceilings. They were like 30-foot ceilings. And over the bar, there was a girl on a swing. And she would like sit on the swing, and she would swing up up to these 30-foot ceilings. And there was a bell on the ceiling, and she would kick it with her foot. And I remember going. Well, that doesn't get annoying. <laughs> yeah, there, I don't see anything wrong with that. She would do it like all the time, but like once an hour, she would come out. And I actually knew a girl in college that was the bell the kicking bell girl. girl. Yeah, 
but now, I, does, did OSHA was OSHA okay with this? I don't know. I don't think I could, but I think for us it was it, it, it's experience. Like, and I think for uh, for me and for the design. You know, it's a cool restaurant. It's a cool vibe to come sit in the restaurant. Yeah. And I think that having a good product and a good environment, hopefully that's in great service, are the metrics of how you become successful. Yeah. If you focus on those three things, everything else takes care of itself. Yes. So what, let's, let's dig in a little bit. How, uh, how did you get to Cincinnati from, from being a Texan from, I I assume you hook them horns I do hook up horns. Okay. Yes. And so... From, yeah, the eyes of Texas are upon you all the live long day. Deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, yes. Right. <laughs> so how how do you go from God's country to Cincinnati, <laughs> little old Cincinnati? So I have this theory that uh, there are actually no men from Cincinnati, that all the women in Cincinnati just import their men from other places around the country. <laughs> all right, okay. Uh, at I'm, least not, maybe not every man, but a good size of the population is from somewhere now else. Now, you're not being detrimental to the men of Cincinnati. No, I'm just not not saying, like, an obvious <laughs> right. fact, like, water is wet, the sky is blue, and the women of Cincinnati import their men. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. From, none, from, none of us are from Cincinnati. Exactly, <laughs> I think I'm proving the point right here. I mean, I've met guys from Cincinnati, so I know they exist. But I've also met so many other people there from other places. Yeah. And that is, I met a wonderful woman who is now my wife and she owns the bars with me. Yeah. Katie Trevino. Her, She's formerly Katie Frazier. Previous guest on the show. Previous guest on the show, yeah. yeah. As Katie Frazier, right? As Katie yes. Frazier, yeah. yes. So we met where all classy people meet on Bourbon Street ah. in New Orleans. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, surprisingly enough, at a karaoke bar. Oh. Uh, not surprised at all. Not surprised at all. <laughs> at all yeah, it's on brand. Uh, I think so. I think you know as much as the, all of the ideas that we're coming up with are original ideas for the concepts. They're all rooted in a very personal place in my past. There's yeah. a moment where I can trace back to when you look at video archive. I always wanted to work at Blockbuster. I was that was like one of the most coveted jobs you could have in high school was if you worked at Blockbuster or Hollywood Video yeah. or Sam Goody Music. And I just oh, was yeah. never cool. I had braces and glasses, and and you had to be somewhat charming. It felt like to work <laughs> at those establishments. And so uh-huh. for me, it's it's about recreating a lot of that stuff. So we met and uh, dated long distance for about a year, and I was flying up to Cincinnati, and this is about seven years ago. And I saw the energy of the city. Yeah, it was on the cusp of something changing. And to me, it felt like the Wild West. It was like, if you come up here with an idea and enough, you know, bootstrap lifting yourself up, you can do whatever you want here. Yeah. I still believe that's true. I still believe there is unprecedented growth in the city that if you have an idea still, there's somebody out there that, that is, I think that is the difference between here in Texas and Louisiana is for as much as people will always kind of shit on your ideas there's way more people in the city. They're like, go do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we believe in you. <clears throat> Strangers. Like, the Lonely Pond, you know, yeah. we, we announced this week that we were doing this. And the rule one of the internet is stay out of the comment section. Yes. And for me, I can't help myself. Like, because right. <laughs> no, I, I get know it. what people say. Like, it's, I get it. And for as much as, you know, you get people that are like, this is a terrible idea because you'll always have those people. Mm-hmm. The amount of support that we got for announcing this weird steakhouse concept was 
far beyond anything that we expected. It was our biggest announcement that we've ever had. And I don't think it's because of the concept itself. I think it's the positivity of the Cincinnati community that people want things. They yeah. want you to succeed. They want things to happen in their communities. They want entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I don't think that that is happening in places like New York. And I don't think that it's happening in places like Chicago. Right. I think, you know, not to say that those are bad places. If you're listening, and you're like, <laughs> oh, he's, oh, not, he's talking our shit. They're not. Yeah. I, they're, again, like the hobos, they're not listening. Hobos um, of New York. <laughs> Which was is a sequel to Gangs of New York. Hobos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I think that's the that was the biggest driver, other than love. Yes. <laughs> um, the, Energy. Well, because I, I was actually getting ready to open my own restaurant in Louisiana when Katie got offered an amazing job here, and she asked me if I would move here, and I had to really make a decision that was I was about to go have my dream. I was about to open a restaurant with friends. I was going to run the bar program. It was really cool. It was something I believed in. Yeah. I was going to be a part owner, you know, and this was, I was in my late twenties. I was like, I, I made it. Like I, I made it early. Like, yeah. Um, and you know, to come to Cincinnati and know one person, it's so cliche. Cause you think of the American dream, but I am a true believer in it, that, that it still exists, <laughs> that you can move anywhere in this country and if you just wake up every day, put one foot in front of the other, it may take longer than you expect it. You may have to sacrifice more than you're willing to, to sacrifice. I mean, there were times when we first started Gorilla Cinema that there was $30 in the bank account and rent was due. And you're like, do we put, do we put, on, do we put on the show or do we, you know, right. yeah. do we keep going forward? And I think that has been the greatest thing is having my wife, who just has unconditionally supported every idea that we've ever had. Um, obviously, she was a guest on the show, and she has her own creative style, and, and, and that's what's been fun is um, no matter if all this stuff goes away tomorrow, I'm so proud of the work that we have done, and I'm so proud of the things that we have built that it it's not a, it's not about that at the end of the day. It's about what was the impact that we left behind? Where are the memories? Is somebody 20 years from now going to talk about, I went to this really cool bar called the Overlook Lodge and right. man, it inspired me to open my own thing. Yeah. Like it's going to be my, their magic time machine. Yes. It's going to be their thing their that inspired them. Or I met this girl and then we dated it on and off for like, yeah. year, like the long distance. But then we moved to Chicago and yeah. became hobos. And <laughs> it's a good story. We're with the tramps of the hobo spectrum. <laughs> yes. so it, it seemed to work out. I, I will say, though, the L train is really hard to catch. <laughs> it's super hard. It's not. It stops. <laughs> <laughs> I should have waited. Oh, I should have waited. But, yeah, I think that is it, it, it. I know it's so easy to be cynical. Mm -hmm. especially in today's world. It's so easy to say, oh, well, you know, college-educated guy moves across the city and is super successful. What a, what a big surprise. <laughs> yeah. There were so many times when it could have fell apart. And it could have fell apart because, because you give up. Right. It's because you say this is hard. Because you start to, it starts to, 
I have, I'm going to tell this story, and I've never told this story on a podcast before. Oh, exclusive! Yeah, no, exclusive. But it's not a, it's not a good story. Like it's a sad uh, story. It's right. a story we about. Yeah, it's, it's like I'm walking down the street of Cincinnati and I am crying on the phone to like my best friend in Louisiana because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. Like, because I don't know like how bills are going to get paid because I don't know if my wife still loves me because I've taken her down this horribly dark path of entrepreneurship that is scary and it is, it doesn't end. Like right. you, the fear, even as with three places open... The, the fear that it all goes away is still there. Like yeah. it, it, that that sort of fear, you never you should never lose that as an entrepreneur. You should never lose this is going to go away. Right. The thing that you can control is when this fails, when anything fails, because if you look across all restaurants and bars, you can maybe name 10 on your hands that have lasted more than 50 years, especially in this city. Like Bonanza. Like Bonanza. Yeah, yeah. Bonanza's gone. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, that's yeah. always yes. a Bonanza meal. Uh, <laughs> this is the sad part of the story where we let Tim down is, very hard. <laughs> is I like playing this game. I like creating things. So when one of the bars closes one day, I'm going to have a sad day because I'm going to be like, man, I'll, you're going to Monday morning quarterback the whole thing. Yeah. And I think that's what people do. And, you you know, it's the Rocky thing. You, you get knocked down. Do you get back up? Yeah. And, yeah. like, do you keep fighting? And I think that was it. There were times that we could have said, like, to hell with this. Like, you know, Katie could have said, it's, it's the businesses or me. And, you know, and she did it. And she – or I could have said, like – I'm sorry for taking you down this road. Like I'll go get a regular job and and we'll work nine to five. And if you keep going forward, you will reach the breaking point. But I think there's somebody said you jump and you try to build an airplane on the way down. Yeah. (laughs) But unless you jump, like you don't get that opportunity. Like you can't, you can't figure it out. Like you, you sometimes need those external stressors and the lack of comfortability to know where is this going to come from to really push you to keep taking those steps. Yeah. Is to say, well, we got problems and we got to figure it out because we got $30 in the checking account. Yeah. And like, we got to figure out a way to make money by the end of the month. And so it makes you crafty. So, so you push forward and that is the best advice I can offer to any entrepreneur is you have to find that place where you stop being comfortable and start being real. The real world, <laughs> San Antonio. So does that is that like then uh, going into Lonely Pine and moving moving into the food world? Is that your way of recapturing some of that uncomfortability and and seeing like can we tackle this challenge now? I think there's a certain thing that again we create a space that we just really wanted to see exist in the world. Yeah. That, like okay, I want a good steak. I can't find a good steak. Well, I'll build a place where I can find a good steak. Right. I think for us, if we can nail food, the future of our company gets a little bit more interesting because mm-hmm. now we're not a bar company anymore. Now, like if somebody comes to us and like, we're looking to do a restaurant. Okay, well, we did a restaurant before. Like, let's go try to do this again. Yeah. I think it's about risk mitigation, you know, so how much money are you investing into a certain project? Right. And I call myself like the Jason Bloomhouse of... Uh, <laughs> Of like bar owners, Jason Blue, he's a producer. He creates Bloomhouse Pictures. So yes, uh, the Purge and uh, Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. And he had like this rule when he was starting the production company. He goes, you know, a, a movie should never cost more than five million dollars. Like that's mm-hmm. all you get. Like you're a director movie, it's five million dollars. Yeah. yeah. He's like, so instead of making one hundred million dollar movie, we're gonna make twenty. 
five million dollar movies. Which and, to be to, for those not in a know, five million dollars for a movie is super shoestring budget. I mean, that's why they're typically in one location. Like, let's find a house and just like terrorize right. the people in the house. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, they're yeah, they're typically. Uh, you know, low end on location, low end on actors. That's why you get like an Ethan Hawke in those movies. Right. He'll choke for him. He's like basically like uh, tramp hobo status yes. Like, yes. of the acting world. <laughs> Ethan Hawke, I'm sorry if you're listening. He's not. He's not. Say what you want. Um, so we kind of have the same thing going in, which is we know how much we want to spend on a bar before mm-hmm. we are a project. We have a cap in our brain to say, we're not going to spend more than this. Right. So I think that is one of the successes of our growth is we don't invest in projects that are beyond that cap level because that's not the way we set up our company. And so when we do fail, because eventually we will fail, it won't hurt as bad because we'll be like, well, we saw that. We saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we saw it coming. And also we didn't dump our life savings into it. I said basically if, you know, when the Overlook opened, if the Overlook had failed, I said, well, this would be like two cars that we totaled. Right. This would be like two really nice cars that we just like, yeah. you know, and then we never drove again. Or it was yeah. like a house, that, like a small house that caught on fire. Right. <laughs> um, and I think for us, it, again, a lot of people are saying like, damn, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it is. And I think it's just one of those things where I don't know if my brain is, we were talking about fear and there was a guy that climbed, I'm going to screw up the name of the mountain. Um, but he climbed a mountain in Yosemite State Park. Tim can fix it in post. Yes. So um, <laughs> so he climbed it with no gear uh-huh. and no ropes, no, no restraint, just free-handed up this mountain. He was yeah. the first person to ever do it. And in the comments, somebody goes... How do you do it with that large set of balls? <laughs> and I think there's always going to be like a why. Why are you doing this? Why do you do this? It's like, well, the idea is in the head. like, And it feels good to see it exist. Yeah. Even if that ex- existing period is five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. The fact that we were able to create something in the world and, and see it exist is is why why yeah. we keep doing this. Yeah, you know, and I think it's why somebody climbs a mountain with no safety right. supports. Right, because you don't have that fear element that says like stop, you don't do this. Yes, like, <laughs> yes. Are you do you, do you have the fear element and that pushes you along, or you have a different fear? I have a different fear. I have a fear of ruining my personal life. I feel like you also have a fear of not seeing that come to full. I do. I have the, I have the fear that it's it's there. I'm running out of time as a human being, and I want to see these places exist in the world because I want to go. To, if somebody like I'm very pretty free with my ideas. So if you catch me at a bar or catch me somewhere and like, hey, what are you working on? Like I'll tell you straight up. Because I want you to steal the idea so I can just go there. And not have to spend Yeah. Well, you're a 90-year-old hobo. I am. I'm a 90-year-old <laughs> tramp. <laughs> Get it right. Time is running out. But yeah, I think, uh, I think for me it is, I know that I have probably 10 to 15 years to where I'm going to be physically and mentally capable, probably more on the physical end. Of, yeah. of able to keep up this pace. So for me, it is, okay, let's swing for the, like everything we do, swing for the fence. Like, and I, you know, I tell the staff, we're just a fast moving train and everybody's just got to like, we're all holding on. 
mm-hmm. to, to hopefully, you know, there'll be a point where it's like Alexander who conquers the world and weeps because there are no more lands left to conquer. Yeah. We'll get to that point, but we are nowhere near that today. And so for us, it is as long as people keep showing up and saying we want more, we like the ideas, we're going to keep doing it. Thank you for listening to the Let's Meet podcast. On the next episode of Let's Meet, Jacob provides countless ideas for new bars and restaurants. Well, four ideas. I guess we can count them. For more information, please visit our website at letsmeetpodcast.com and please subscribe. Hey, what you doing? Hey, hello. <laughs>